Welcome to Pilot Boys, the podcast where we review the first episode to TV shows, otherwise known as a pilot. Today I am joined by two friends, two people who have been on the podcast before. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Gabriel. Been on this twice. And my name's Michelle. I've also been on this twice. What have you guys been watching? I finished Handmaid's Tale. Oh, did you? Or just, I just started it. You're gonna be mad. Don't, no spoilers. Okay. I've been watching Pose. Oh, yeah. I, I finished the season for that, too. I'm supposed to, but I haven't. Oh, wow. Oh, I still haven't finished it. I think I need one episode. Gabby, you missed the pen again. Oh, my God. What are, I've been watching South Park. Oh. And of course, uh, you're the worst. You're the worst is back. No, but they finally put the new season on uh, Hulu. Oh, I already saw it. Have they put Rick and Morty up? No, I don't think so. Is that it? Anything else? No. I've been rewatching Attack on Titan season two. Oh, I haven't seen it. You haven't seen season two? Gabriel doesn't like anime. Why don't you like anime, Gabriel? I don't know. It looks lame. What do you mean? Oh, I just watched Resident e- uh, Resident Evil. It's animated one. Oh. Remember when we watched those together? Yeah, but those were the live-action ones. They were so bad, though. The other, like, CGI ones are closer to, like, the game. So, they're not as bad. Remember when we used to do stuff like that? Just, like, watch shit? Yeah. Yeah, for real. I don't miss that. So, today we're doing Shop Objects. The It was a book written by Gillian Flynn, very popular author, who just came off of Gone Girl fame. And it was developed... By Marty Noxon. And it's an HBO miniseries. I want to get first impressions. I want to get your guys' first impressions. What did you guys think? How'd you feel about it? Anything you liked? Anything you didn't? I'll start with you. I thought it was a pretty strong first episode. There wasn't really much I disliked about the pilot. I thought Amy Adams was very convincing in the character she was playing. And I also liked the introduction to the setting. I think... Pretty much overall, it did a good job at elaborating on what was going on and where they were for the first episode. Yeah, I thought the world the world building was pretty strong, too. Mm-hmm. What about you, Michelle? I liked it. The only complaint I kind of had about it was that the story's kind of, I don't know, cliche. Like the tormented journalists with like a sketchy past. Which is interesting, though, because it's, like, it's usually a man who's like that. That's true. I mean, I still liked it. Like, it's usually, like, a man with, like, a a drinking streak and he's, like, a writer. Yeah, kind of like True Detective. I'm glad you brought that up because this felt very True detective Yeah. Like, that was one of the biggest vibes I got from the show. Totally. It felt like True Detective and it also felt like uh, Shit Town, the podcast. I don't know what that is. Because it's, like, set in, like, a rural town. Yeah, because it's, like, a small town and it's, like... Everybody knows each other. Yeah. And I mean, in some ways, although not the same, it kind of reminded me of Three Billboards, which takes place in Missouri. Oh, so didn't see that. Okay, so my first impression was, I agree with Michelle. I thought the, like, the tortured artist or, like, the tortured writer was a little cliche, but I think the fact that it was, like, a woman who was, like, a tortured artist or whatever made me not hate that cliche as much or it being that cliche you know what i mean so it was like more interesting to you it escaped that cliche just because it was like a woman with what like a tortured past versus like it being like a man who had a tortured past okay yeah i get that because i think that that's something that i mean there are there are very much people like that and her character 
although she's not the same. She reminds me of Rachel McAdams' character in season two of True Detective. Because she was, like, a tortured soul. And she was, like, very angry. And, like, she even, like, was kind of a drunk or whatever. Yeah. But I think the thing that struck me most about the show was, like, the style. I really like the like the quick cuts to her past with her sister. And, like, the world building was really nice. And there was, like, a lot of shots of, like, town, St. Louis or whatever. Yeah, I feel like the cuts in the scenes is, like, what made it interesting. It was just, like, her everyday life, and then it just, like, cuts to, like, a glimpse of her past, and, like, you just get, like, little snippets of the story throughout the episode. Yeah. I also think they do, like, a great job at setting up background before they jump into those quick cuts, so that, I guess, the the viewer doesn't feel confused when they're watching them. So there's always an explanation to what's happening. This is one of those shows that, like, requires a lot of the audience. Like, it requires you to pay attention you know, like, there are shows you can watch where you can only dedicate, like, a percentage of your attention. But this is one of those shows that, like, you really have to pay attention to. But had I not been paying attention, I would have missed, like, a bunch of shit. Because it, it's a show that doesn't... And this is something Gabriel brought up to me, but... It's a show that doesn't use much dialogue. You're basically getting, like, just visual cues and, like, you have to pay attention to what's going on. Let's get into the let's get into the recap. So we have Amy Adams' character, Camille who is a writer or an editor for the St. Louis Chronicles. And she's pretty much called into her boss's office to investigate a case in Wind Gap, which is her hometown. And there's two girls who have already gone missing. One showed up murdered and one is still missing. And she's pretty much sent back to her hometown. And that's pretty much what the summary is. She's sent back to her hometown of... Wind Gap to investigate what her editor thinks is possibly like a serial killer. And she's going there to like check it out, but she begrudgingly goes because she doesn't like her upbringing. Yeah, so the show so far, as far as we can tell, is going to be about the main character who's a writer from the city who left her town in like a small town, but she like hates it. And based on what we've seen, it's predicated on the fact that she suffered a loss. Like, she suffered, her sister died at a young age. And we don't know how she died, but it's like haunts her. Yeah, you, ju- you just see her sister spasming in a scene, and that's pretty much all we know. Yeah, she's either spasming or she's having like a, a seizure. There's a lot of past trauma that you get to see unravel through her character. And as she's investigating what's happening in her town of One Gap, there's also a lot of flashbacks to the things she's experienced and how she's dealing to cope with that or how she hasn't coped with it yet. Yeah, and she has, like, a really weird relationship with her mom. Like, I noticed in the scene where she goes back home, she's kind of, like, disconnected from her mom. And I find it kind of weird that, like, the only person she really hugged was the maid. I'm glad you guys brought that up about... She seems to lack connection with her mom because that's one of the things I noticed right away. Because I think this happens like the reason why she doesn't have connection with her mom is because her mom is so like entrenched in politeness. Like her mom only cares about like what people think about her, what like people will be saying about their family and like their image. And that that means that since she cares about that more, she's not worried about being a mother. She's just caring. She just cares about appearances. Like, as soon as she shows up to the house saying that she wants to stay there, 
the mom's like, oh, well, I wish you would have told me because it's, the house is not up to par or whatever. I think that's part of it. But I also think there is, like, she, she knows how to be a mother, but she's still caught up in what happened to her daughter. And that's pretty much all that's, that's, that's taken over her life. And I think that's also another reason why she's the way she is. I don't know about that because there's that one scene where like they're coming back from from roller roller skating like all over the city. Yeah. And they have to sneak in because like that's just how their mom is. Like you know if she catches them they're going to get in trouble because that's not what they were supposed to be doing and what would people say and you know stuff like that. The way I was thinking about it was like the way it's presented when you're introduced to the mom is that they're like these warring ideologies, right? Uh, there's this ideology between like city life and town life. And we get that through Camille's interaction with the chief. She comes to Wind Gap to investigate these murders. And to the chief, it's like, well, you put this paper out, you're going to make us look bad. And that, that sentiment is mirrored by the mom who's like, I can't believe you want to like investigate these things. Like these are people that we know and like, it's so, like, she uses, like, very cordial words, like, ghastly and, like, morbid and things like that. But I think Camille so desperately wanted to get away from her hometown of Wingap. And when she comes back, people, like, residents there kind of see her as a threat. Like, a threat to their livelihood. Like, because these murders aren't familiar to them. These murders are something completely new. And if they get that kind of exposure, it's going to mess up like the status quo for them. And she's also more liberal than they are. I mean, based off what we get to see in her apartment, she has an Obama poster. By the way, I thought that was such a great visual cue. Like, there was no words that, that told you that she was, like, a liberal. But just by seeing that change poster, you automatically know. Like, the audience understands quickly that she's, she's probably more liberal than the town that she's in. Which is funny because the the house is like this huge house, like seemingly like a plantation house in the south, because it's so cut off from everything else, and it's just like this rural, like huge mansion. It's all white people in that cast, isn't it? Like the whole town is pretty much just like it consists of nothing but white people. So I think you can just assume that they're very conservative, and she's not like that. Yeah, and I think I think the show in general, or like all those shows that we just mentioned, or all those pieces of media we just mentioned are very localized as white pieces of media. It's like whiteness expressed through Southern living, which is a very different like Southern living experience of like black people. Yeah, you can also tell with like the, the dialogue exchanged between Camille and Anne's father when she's questioning him about the night when um, his daughter disappeared. I think that dialogue also help, helps expose like their ideology. Yeah, he said basically that the guy who kidnapped uh, his daughter was homosexual because she wasn't raped. Anything else you guys want to suggest in relation to, like, the warring ideologies? I think the maid is also a good representation of, I mean, what's what's happening, what the town is. Don't you think so? What do you mean? Because like, she's, like, legit, like, the only person of color that you see in that town, and she's a maid. I mean, but that's, that's such a, like, reality of people of color. Like, we are consistently... Well, I, like my people, not, not white passing people, we're consistently in the cleaning service. Or they're basically like maids and shit. In the South, it's mostly black. In LA, it's mostly Latino. 
I think that the most interesting thing to me was the idea of it, like, her going into that town, she's an invader that needs to be, like, pushed out. Because she'll, she's like a virus, like, she'll, she's gonna destroy their way of life. Yeah, because she's, like, asking questions that nobody wants to, like, really talk about, and she's, like, snooping around, and they're very secretive. And that's one of the things about the South is that everything's repressed. Like, you have to repress these things. It's like, you don't talk about it. Which, which so perfectly fits the next point, which is about, like, why is it so often that we see, like, these... Not so often, but we, we've seen so many cases of, like, ultra-violence in, like, small towns. And it's always the same reaction of, like, well, we, we've known them our entire lives. How could that be so? Like, it, it betrays everything that they know to be true. Like, when they're serial killers or, like, crazy acts of violence, it doesn't make sense to them because they want to deny it. They want to deny it because it doesn't make sense with what was presented to them as the way life is. And Gabriel, you have you have experience with serial killers. Oh yeah. Well, because you are one. <laughs> I know one. Uh, but like, you, you know what I mean, though, right? Like, it's a common story of like there being a serial killer. Yeah, it's always shocking. Like knowing it's your neighbor, and then they interview the neighbor, and they're like, "I would have never expected it." Not even just being your neighbor. I mean, like in small cities, like we see. We've seen a couple instances of this. Like, uh, we guys haven't read it, but in in Code Blood, it's very much a similar thing. I'm sure you know, Gabriel. You know these things. Right? Atlanta Monster. That was a small town. I like, guess not a small town. It does happen a lot, and I think with the way this show set up, they have such an image of where they live and what their town is that the fact that it's happening, they're just denying it because they don't want that image to be broken down into something that they don't know anymore because that'll shatter their whole reality. I guess my question is, like, do you think it comes from, like, Southern repression? Like, the fact that they're repressed, that they act out in these ways. Like, Southern repression breeds serial killers? <sighs> Not necessarily serial killers, but, like, like, it's a different lifestyle from us, like, commie liberals in California, you know what I mean? But in the South... It's like, it's, uh, what's that famous saying? Like, spare the rod, spoil the kid. And then, like, it's just so much of, like, parenting styles are different. And, like, you just repress emotions in different ways. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Well, I think, like, depending on where you grow up and how you're raised, it definitely does impact the the person you grow up, like, in, like you grow into. And I do think that them repressing certain behaviors that's eventually gonna come out and they're gonna lash out when they finally do it i think it has a role in it but i don't necessarily think that's the main cause of it but isn't that like a thing with serial killers where like they all have like these pasts where it's like oh my god like their mom kept them in a closet for like months and shit like that or am i just going based off of like movies that's like uh like the narrative that's favored for serial killers, but that's not that's not necessarily always true. Like Jeffrey Dahmer's parents were pretty good to him. But like Ed Gein's parents were like piece of shit. So like it depends, like I mean I don't know, see that's 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 I think that's what's so fascinating to people about serial killers is like there's no one answer. There's no one formula. There's no formula to what that person, like, what breeds a serial killer, but I, I do think that there is 
something to the fact that like being in a place that you're only you're like stuck in one town and you're stuck in your situation and like you don't escape like people like Camille, I think that could breed like some violence. Mindhunter, which is another piece of media about serial killers, also had them going to like a small town and this dude being like he had, he was he had like the inklings of being a serial killer. He had, he only had a few victims, but he was already starting to form a pattern. And it was also in a small town in the south. I was gonna say maybe it's just like like the boredom or like the the smallness of the town just kind of breeds that like that need to like kind of I don't know like excite the senses or whatever. Yeah, it's like trying to break the monotony. I was thinking that or either like. I mean, if you hear about killings in a small town, like, it kind of, like, gets everywhere, and it's kind of a big deal. Whereas, like, if someone gets killed in the city, like, no one really talks about it. Like, it's not as big a deal. Well, they talk about it. It's just, like, the news cycles are so fast that, like, by next week, we already have a new killing. Versus when it's in a small town, like, it's it stays there. Like, it becomes the concern for a generation, pretty much. I also think that having a small city as the setting aids the the narrative of the show it just plays into it a lot better because i mean just like true detective that's what it was as opposed to using like a bigger city i think it'd be a lot harder to focus on like the crimes and the people so i think that's also why they they used a small city and a more conservative city i agree and i'm glad you brought that up because i think this is probably the pe- like the ultimate point i wanted to make about the show and it's probably like the most profound thing I found about the show, but I will talk about it in a bit. I just I want to talk about um, let's not forget that point. But I want to talk about how like her problem with like addiction and how she uses alcohol as like a coping mechanism and how that plays out throughout the episode. This is kind of a through line for my last episode because the last episode we talked about uh, Patrick Melrose which is a show, like, completely about drug addiction. And, I mean, this show isn't to, to that extent. Like, it's not abuse to that extent. Like, uh, substance abuse to that extent. But there is a kind of through line between those two shows of, like, someone using substance to escape their past. But that ends up being their channel back to their past. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, she every time she drinks, she has flashbacks. She's immediately taking back. Yeah, she's taken back to a moment in her life that impacted her as an adult. And, I mean, pretty much you see her drinking throughout the whole episode. It gets to the point where, I mean, she passes out in her car after a night at the bar. And it's just just a constant thing that we see from her character. Yeah. See, but... And this might be answered later on by the the next couple episodes. But, like, I think for her, it's a little different. Um, because in Patrick Melrose, he would drink and it would take him to like the scarring moments. Whereas where she would drink, I think she relishes in those moments, even if they're terrible, because that's all she has left of her sister. Like she can only think about these moments, like good or bad. That's the only thing that she can conjure up because she didn't have much time with it. So I think substance abuse or alcohol in her case is like her connection to her sister. And one of the things I, I, I wanted to ask you guys about, what did you think about the opening scene when the girls go into the house 
and they like paperclip something into her hand. I know it's explained better, but in the first episode, you're, I was kind of left confused as to why they did that. Uh-huh. And I didn't really understand the meaning of them putting a paperclip against her... Was it her her arm or her hand? It was her hand. Yeah, I was just kind of like, okay, like, what was the point of that? I kind of took it as, like, an artsy element, like, these memories and all these... All these memories and her past is what causes her to self-harm. Like, it's kind of like... I'm remembering my time with my sister, but then that also reminds me, like, what happened to her, and then it causes her to just, like, cut herself. That's what I took it as. Okay, so spoilers. So, she pretty much every every episode, so this one's called Vanish, she carves those words into her own skin. And that's that's what I thought the paperclip was for, but they didn't show it. It wasn't until after that I read that that I was like, okay, maybe that's what it is. So the next episode, whatever the the name of that episode is called, she also has that word carved into her own skin. Okay. But I don't know if they're going to go into that in the show. I don't know. Well, to me, all right. So the way I took it was like, one, it's it's probably the author and the show, like the director or whatever. The It's the show wanting to tell us that when she's asleep, she dreams. And what she dreams about what con- what concerns her dreams or what dominates her dreams is her being a kid and skating with her sister. Skating, as we've seen throughout the episode, is something that's very common for young people there, and they just that's like what they like to do for fun. But I mean, so we see these these two little girls, which we find out later is Camille and her sister Marianne, and they go into this huge house, and it turns out that it's it's Camille's mom's house. And she goes upstairs, and we see a sleeping Camille. One of the little girls pulls out a paperclip, and she's about to write something on her. But then Camille is woken up by her phone. So I think this is the show's way of telling us that this is them injecting, like, supernatural elements. Not supernatural, but, like, fantastical elements of, like, you don't really know what's going on. But it's also, like, her... Like, her constantly thinking about her sister. And, I mean, it, it makes sense that she wakes up from the dream, and then it it could have just been, like, her dreaming that. Or it could have been that, like, that's what she pictured when she was writing. Like, she was carving those things into herself. I don't know. I just thought that that was, like, a cool little way of them, like, nodding with, like, some fantastical elements. You know what I mean? Kind of like how True Detective used the... The, the birds. It looked like an like an aurora, too, but the colors. Yeah, but also the birds. Remember when he sees the birds in the sky? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was just like that. It works, I think, because it, like, it kind of throws you off a bit, but you know that what they're doing, what they're showing also means something in the real world. It's not just her dreaming and that doesn't have any significance. Like, it's something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think one flashback that really like took me by surprise was the flashback she had when she runs into the cabin. Oh, yeah. And then she jerks off to it? Yeah, like, all those pictures and, like, the meat just, like, being placed on, like, this wooden table. And it's just raw meat there. And then she sees all these pictures of these men, like, having sex with this woman. Yeah, and, I mean, it's implied that it's kind of, like, not necessarily consensual. Yeah, and but she, she gets off to it, and that's the strangest thing about the whole like flashback and then them forwarding to the present what if she's a serial killer no (laughs) imagine 
You know what? Because the first victim didn't get raped. So you never know. I think I know who the killer is. Really? Who do you think the killer is? Her half-sister. I feel like it might be the mom. You think it's a mom? I don't know. Her half-sister. She's really weird. The sister. If, if it was a half-sister, it would be too much like, uh, like Mystic River. No, I don't think it's the half-sister. The whole ending scene, she was acting kind of weird with her. I was like, what's going on? And she's just like talking about like how her mom couldn't tame her or some shit like that. And she's just like, I'm like that too. I don't know. There's something iffy about her. She seems like she's a sociopath. But what about Camille? Nah, I think I think Camille's too broken. Like, I think, I think you're right about the sister. I'm not saying that it's her, but I think you're right about her being... She was basically a sociopath. Like, she was performing, like, what it's like to be cool to her sister because she wanted her to know that, like... She wanted to put that out there that this is the way that she acts. And she was just odd. Like, she didn't interact the way, like, humans or, like, siblings interact. But I don't think it's Camille because of, like, her reaction to that body. Like, I don't think a serial killer could react to a dead body like that. Okay, but going back to that scene, like, what did you guys think about that? Like, the child sitting down? No, 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 no. Her in the cabin, and then her pretty much getting off to those pictures. Even though those pictures present to not be consensual. So, okay. I have one theory that makes sense to me. But, uh... It doesn't really make that much sense. So, to me, her seeing those things in the cabin could just be, like, a cheap way of, like, just tying in a quote-unquote serial killer from her past to what's going on now. And I'm like, that just seems like a cop-out. Because we don't know how her sister dies. We're assuming that it's because she has, like, an illness. But it could also be that her sister was murdered. We don't know that yet. Well, I don't know. Do you know that, Gabriel? You, you, you're caught up, right? I haven't seen the third episode, but they still don't... So they haven't revealed how she how she died? No, they don't reveal how she died. I don't know. I feel like it didn't really have a deep meaning. I think it was just kind of like one of those things where it was like her first introduction into like sexuality and stuff like that. And that's why she got off to it. I mean, I don't know. She seemed really young, like in the flashback. So that's why I assumed that. See, I disagree. I think this this is just me again to like a theory. But I think that that moment was supposed to mean a lot because I felt very like fantastical because that kid comes out and he he points the gun at her. It was like a it was a tense moment but then it's just diffused completely and then it goes back to being tense where she goes into that that shack. I think that scene happened after her sister was already dead because she was alone. So I think that this happened after, and maybe seeing those bodies was like a coping, like it distracted her from like her sister's death. Yeah, I think because I mean, when you see the kid point the gun at her, she she's she's scared, right? But then she goes into the cabin, and then she sees all those pictures. So I don't know if like her character needs violence to get off, and if that's part of her, you know of her broken character because that's what it seemed like based off that scene and that whole entire scene she's also very combative but you know it's funny like she's combative with everyone except for her mom like with the detective you can see she goes at it with the detective she's like saying like banter and then with the chief she's like going back and forth with them but with her mom she's so resigned anything else you guys want to talk about that what about the suspects i mean i don't know do you think that it's john keen the brother? 
I feel like that would be too easy. Yeah, I think so too. That would be too easy. Anne's dad would be too easy. I'm just kind of like, okay, this is just pretty much set up to like mislead you and think that it can possibly be them, but it won't end up being them. I think the one that makes the most sense is the sister. That's the one that makes the most sense right now, just based on the first episode. I also had another thing, like, what about the violence towards like girls in the show? Because it's very, it's pretty like hard to like see the girls dead. And I don't know, I just, I just kind of think like, why is it that... It has to be so explicit and, like, more towards younger girls. I thought it would have been more interesting to see, like, boys get murdered. Because mm. you can, you kind of always see that in these shows. It's it's women getting murdered for, for the most part. Ooh, what if it's, what if it's the sister, Marianne, and she's killing these girls who are at this age, right? Which is, like, what, like, 13, 14-ish? Because her mom is so obsessed with their sister, the one that died. So she's killing these girls and like preserving them in this like in this age forever because her mom is so obsessed with it. Because of that like weird thing where she's like, "Oh, was she perfect?" Yeah, I don't think it's her because in the second episode, there's this scene where they pretty much show what it would take to do a certain thing to one of them, and they imply that it's it's a man. But again, it could also be a woman, but it has to be someone who's. What if it's like a tag team? Yeah, it could be that. But I don't know. I don't think it's just her if it is her. Maybe it's her and the dad because he was kind of weird too. Yeah, the dad is The dad barely has any presence there. He was so like reserved and like he was barely present. He's very attached to his like objects. His sharp objects. <laughs> <laughs> you have such sharp wit. <laughs> anyway, all right. So the last and like most important point I wanted to bring up, and I think maybe it might not be as like significant because we've touched on a lot, but I think that the reason why it makes sense that Camille is investigating this case is that it kind of helps her flesh out her unresolved issues with her sister. the The reason why it's so like it means so much to her, even though she didn't want to go back, is because it's little girls her sister's age. And, like, I think that the arc of the show is going to be, like, her fleshing out her own issues with her sister's death via this case. Because she obviously has not resolved any of those issues, but she's invested in this case because she sees... Because she has no ties to the city. She didn't care about the city. But she cares more about the fact that, like, she sees her sister in these victims. And... I think in some ways her seeing how awful this like these things are kind of validates the reason why she got away from Wingap. Um, anyway, what do you guys think about that? Um, like it's gonna be one of those things where she gets so involved because it's like, oh my god, she was like my sister's age and she reminds me of my sister like that or Yeah, but also just like she cares because she couldn't resolve anything with her sister, but maybe she can help find these people like peace or justice you know what i mean it's like i couldn't save my sister from dying but maybe i can stop someone from killing more younger girls so maybe that's why she did it i don't know she's she she has a lot of past trauma and it's it's gonna keep unraveling and she's still kind of a mystery yeah but i think it like it makes sense that she's the main character because it keeps the story interested it it like has like a, a main character whose character traits make her invested in something like this. 
Because she suffered a loss that's similar. Yeah, I think what proves your point is that I feel more invested in her character than the mystery of who's killing the girls. Yeah, me too, because you see, like, how fucked up her life was. Yeah. Or, like, how fucked, not even that, how fucked up her life is. She has no real drive, and I think the editor saw that. Like, he kind of implies that she's in a rut, and even though the editor's wife is like, you're not a fucking doctor just because you watch Dr. Phil. So do you think the show's really about her or the mystery of who the serial killer is? No, I absolutely think the show's about Amy Adams. Like, we identify the most with her. All right, let's get into the BTs. So, on Pilot Boys, or the Pilot Boys Working Title podcast. Pilot People? The Pilot Pod. We rate the first episode to Pilot on 1 to 5, and we give it broken TV. So, from 1 to 5, how many broken TVs? Okay, so I thought the first episode had a lot of exposition. I disagree. Really? It did not have a lot of exposition. Not exposition, sorry. A lot of world building. That it, And it was really well. Like, it was really well done. So it had that, and they did pretty good at also going into who Camille is based off the things around her and not necessarily through dialogue. So they did that really well, and they also pretty much elaborated on what one gap was, like, who the people there are, and what it's known for. I mean, we get to see a lot of her past trauma through this first episode. And even though we're still not getting much of an explanation for what it is, I think it's still very important to see that. Yeah. I don't know, and I thought the ending really left you wanting to watch more. Where they show the, the girl sitting on the window and she's she's dead. Yeah. So, I I would give it three and a half broken TVs. Wow. That's... Pretty good. Really? I was expecting higher. It's pretty good, but it's like a criminal offense. I just wanted to see more of like the 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 missing girls too, but we didn't get that until the very end. That's why. But you also don't like stuff that doesn't have like a lot of action or dialogue. Yeah, like things that are very like slow. That was like the first complaint that you told me that you didn't like. Like it had like no dialogue. I didn't think it was a complaint. I was just pointing something out that I noticed. But you also said that it was very slow. Yeah, and I think it was. It's it's that's what the first episode pretty much is. It isn't until the end where you see it really like pick up and get to the reason she's there. Okay. What about you, Michelle? I thought it was an interesting show. I really liked Amy Adams' acting. Yeah, I agree. Even if it was really quiet and there wasn't much dialogue, I thought it was still interesting because a lot of a lot of the story was like the audience being shown. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah, instead of being told. I kind of want to find out more about, like, her past trauma, obviously. And, like, the weird relationship she has with her mom and, like, the the city in general. I think it was interesting. I think it's good to, like, reel people in and stuff like that. And I think I'm just going to give it a 4.3. Okay, that's pretty good. Alright, so, I like the premise of the show a lot, and I, f- I was kind of, like, fatigued with, like, Gone girl S type stuff, because Gone Girl came out and I loved it, but then, like, the girl... On the train? The girl from the train came out, and everyone kept billing it as, like, Gone Girl Part 2 or whatever. So I was like, alright, like, I get it. Like, So Dark Places came out, and I heard that was not good. All her novels were developed, so I was like, I was a little fatigued with it, right? So, I think enough time had passed where, like, I was in the mood for it again, and I really like Amy Adams, and I thought the format 
uh, the limited series made the most sense because HBO does such a good job with limited series. Uh, True Detective was great. Uh, Big Little Lies was really good. And just in general, HBO does really well with the limited series, especially with like a novel. Like Gone Girl was great, but I thought the book, you get a lot more of Amy's journey in Gone Girl than you do in the movie. But I mean, that was done so well. Anyway, so in this episode, Sharp Objects, I thought the format fits it really well. And because it's eight episodes, the first episode didn't feel as much of a slow burn as it did to you. Like, I thought this was just like them like slowly folding out the world and not like abruptly throwing us in there. Like it felt like a slow decline into like what this world is about, like what are the character motivations and like the different ins and outs versus like a just like a dive into this world. And I enjoyed that because I think it makes sense with the setting, which is like slower, like Southern living versus like uh, like the city life where think you just get blasted with information. And I thought the acting was fantastic. They have like a really good cast. And the fact that it's about serial killers is interesting, but I think the, what's going to be the most interesting is the character, the character issues or like the character dynamic be behind uh, Camille's character. So I'm interested to find out what's going on with her. And I, I'm also interested in the mystery of like what's going on with serial killer. Or whatever. So total, I would give it like a 4.2, 4.3, something like that. Broken TVs. Anyway, so we can't really do predictions for this one because... Where do you know it's a limited series? Yeah, it's only going to be a limited series. So was Big Little Lies. Yeah, I guess so. It just wouldn't make sense. It depends how it does with ratings, and then they go from there. I guess. I hope they don't do another one, though. Right? It would take away from it. Okay, alright. So, the working title podcast, boys. Wait, pilot. So, thanks for listening. This is 16. Catches at... 17. Alright, guys. Bye. 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 Passenger, we have landed. Peace.